As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Phillies Talk podcast presented by Team Toyota. I'm Corey Seidman, joined by Jim Salisbury as spring training camps around baseball are nearing really the beginning of of full squads arriving. Uh, Jim, there have been several uh, notable press conferences this week. Joe Girardi earlier in the week, GM Matt Klintak, Team President Andy McPhail. Also, later on in the podcast, we're going to hear your one-on-one with top prospect Spencer Howard. But the big topic, Jim, that Phillies fans just can't stop talking about is the luxury tax. And that came up with Klintak earlier in the week, came up with Andy McPhail on Friday afternoon. What's like the general consensus? Is, is there anything new other than what the Phillies have kind of been spouting for the last year in terms of, you know, if we get the, a difference-making player, we'd be willing to go over the, the tax? Yeah, though it's been talked about this week in press conferences, as you, as you mentioned, Corey. Uh, the stance is pretty much the same as it was. In October, um, when John Middleton talked about it, uh, and he's the guy that matters the most, he's the owner um, or the managing partner of the ownership group, uh, you know, for the right opportunity, they would be willing to go over it. They're right up against it, uh, $208 million. Uh, and I think, you know, when all is said and done, the arbitration hearings are done, and depending on who makes it as a non-roster play, they might actually uh, creep over it to start the season, but they're going to be right around it. Um, and uh, their feeling is um, if there's a player that they feel is the difference between, um, you know, making a deep run in October um, or put them, you know, over the hump in October, then they're going to do it. But as John Middleton said, if it's to win the second wild card, then they're probably not going to do it. So the, the take I get is, um, it, you know, the feel I get is it depends on the opportunity that's presented them, the player that's presented them. And if it's worthwhile, they will go over it if they think it's a real difference maker. Uh, as it stands right now, I kind of get the vibe that they want to see how this thing plays out a little bit. And if they're in it in July and have a hole and there's the guy that can get them over the top and help them make a significant run in October, then they would be willing to go over uh, the tax. But they're going to be pretty judicious in their thinking and whether or not to go over it. Because once you go over it uh, once and you start the clock ticking, you go over the second year and third year, you really can start uh, losing draft picks and, and a whole bunch of other penalties and you you just have to kind of pick your spot there so that's their philosophy well let me ask you this so you just said that based on the arbitration hearings there's a chance they might you know creep close to it go over it um you're i'm assuming you're referring to like the jt real muto case for example he uh wants 12.5 the phillies fire filed a 10 so you know that's a possible two and a half million dollar difference if real muto wins his case but let me ask you this so with the way the luxury tax is set up where there's the repeater penalty if there's a chance the Phillies are going to end up over the tax at some point this season, doesn't it kind of make sense to like go make a win-now move? I, I, I know it's all dependent on the trade cost, but luxury tax is calculated at season's end. And 
I don't think it's crazy to assume that at the trade deadline, the Phillies are going to make some sort of addition, whether they are ticketed for a wild card or look like a potential division winner. So if you're going to be going over and, and potentially facing your, you know, your first uh, exceeding of the luxury tax and that plays into the future, that would seem to me like another reason to make a trade for a guy like Chris Bryant. Not that I think he's the right, the fit, or the right fit or anything, but what do you think about that? I think Chris Bryant would be a player that they would go over the luxury tax for. I just don't think they match up in a baseball trade because the Cubs want pitching. And if you're talking about Phillies pitching, you want Spencer Howard, and the Phillies can't give up Spencer Howard. Uh, my own take on this, I think they would talk about Alec Baum and Scott Kingery, but I don't know if that would get, get Chris Bryant. So I think he would be an opportunity that would uh, might, you know, lead them to make that plunge over the luxury tax. But um, – why they didn't do more this winter, you know, and go over it, that would have maybe put them into a better position early in the season to, to be in the hunt in July. I, I Personally, it's not my money. I would have gone over it and, and, and brought in another starting pitcher for the back end of the rotation, maybe a Rick Porcello type. But obviously they decided against it. Uh, and it just seems to me, though, nobody ownership has really said this, it seems to me that they want to see what they have on the field before they, they, they you know, push over that. Um, maybe the front office feels differently. Maybe they would have liked to have gotten some more pitching and, and ownership pulled in the reins on, on the spending. Um, that would, that kind of is the, that's kind of the way I think things happen. I think ownership kind of put a stop on it. I think the front office would have liked to have done more, but this is the team they have. They're relying on Wheeler and Gregorius to be difference makers and a, and a revamped uh, coaching staff and a new manager. And we'll see if they uh, if they end up regretting that, um, you know, not end up regretting that they didn't do more or not. It might be too early to tell, Jim, but like, has the presence of Joe Girardi in any way uh, led to like a different mood or vibe down there that you've noticed this first week? I sense a little different vibe. Um, yeah, I do. It's, it's it's hard to maybe put your finger on. Uh, I, I sense a, maybe a seriousness uh, to camp, and I'm not saying you know. This was a clown show when Gabe was here. It wasn't all fun and games, but uh, Joe is just different. And I think leaders, are, or, you know, teams take on the personality of their manager and their leaders. And, and, and I think there's that little more, um, just that little more seriousness with, with, with Joe. Uh, he's kind of, uh, you know, that's just the way he runs it. Jim, Phillies fans are really hype about Spencer Howard. You know, they know about the the, the high 90s fastball. They know about the, the the potentially elite stuff and his prospect ranking and just all the excitement surrounding him. And you've gotten a chance these last two years to get to know him a little more. Um, you you and Spencer Howard talked. I mean, what sticks out to you about this guy personality-wise? Uh, we, we see the stuff on the field, but for the people who don't know him so well personality-wise. Uh, personality-wise, I mean, it's a good question. He's 23 years old, but you wouldn't think you're talking to a 23 year old when you were chatting with him he's a very bright kid um uh and uh you know i actually think that's a good thing you know because uh major league season getting to the major leagues and staying in the major league is is tough to do and i think maturity and and uh intellect certainly can help you navigate a lot of ups and downs um that said i think you can overthink it too much but he seems to have that that kind of uh, right down the middle that that blend where he won't overthink things uh but he will use his level-headedness and his maturity to his advantage i mean i'll give you an example they're gonna have him on innings limit this year and you know i've seen guys over the years who, who protest that you know and so oh, i don't need it well 
he's 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 on board with it. He understands why they're doing it, and um, he'll he'll execute it. And he knows it's for his own good in, in the long run. But um, you know, I've watched him pitch over the complex a little bit here and there, and uh, people who've seen a lot of him say he's a real uh, solid competitor. Uh, he just seems like he's kind of almost like a total package prospect. He, he's got the stuff on the mound. He's got the, the depth of pitches, the repertoire of pitches. Uh, he can, he can overpower you. He can finesse you a little bit. And, uh, he brings, he brings maturity, level headedness and something upstairs that I think is important. Uh, you know, an important ingredient ingredient as well. Without further ado, here's Jim one-on-one with Spencer Howard Friday morning down in Clearwater. Spencer, you're in your first big league camp. Uh, it's an exciting time for any player. What have what your impressions been the first few days? Um, it's a lot different than minor league camp. Uh, it's a lot of fun. There's obviously a bunch of big leaguers just waltzing around, and it's interesting to see how they go about their business. And uh, it makes everything seem a lot more real, a lot closer. What's it like to kind of rub elbows with Jake Arrieta? He won a Cy Young. Andrew McCutcheon, he won an MVP. Bryce Harper will be running through here in the next day or so. He won an MVP. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, not an accident that they did that. Um, Their work ethic and it's really it's fun to watch them go about their business and see how they prepare each day. Have you gotten a chance to speak with any of the pitchers who have been around a while? Um, Just met them. Said, hey, I'm Spencer. Nice to meet you, um, but not any like in-depth conversations. Hey, hey, I'm Spencer, yeah. but I think they know kind of who you are, and, and Phillies fans are getting to know who you are. You've been listed on so many of these top uh, prospect lists. I mean, what is that like? How, how exciting is that? And do you have to? How do you keep it all in check? Uh, it's crazy. Um, I don't know. I think I just try to ignore it for the most part, and if I just do what I'm supposed to do each day, then. Things are going to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my mindset. You, your pro career is off to such a nice start. And uh, last year, um, you were down a little bit with a little, was it shoulder uh, mm-hmm. tendonitis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of rotator cuff tendonitis. Um, yeah, so that was just a little blow to my confidence that I am not superhuman. Um, but in the end, it was good to take a step back and reassess my routine and my arm care stuff. And... So now if I have any of those symptoms start to pop up a little bit, I know what to do so I can fix it myself versus miss like two months. It's funny. I've heard that from so many guys over the years, how a little tweak, a little injury can be an amazing learning experience. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing it from Cole Hamels and other guys, how it can kind of get you on the straight and narrow and get you focused on your routine. Do you look at it that way? Absolutely. Um, It might have sucked in the moment, but looking back on it, it was a blessing in disguise. All right, tell us about this season and uh, uh, your goals. The team has big goals for you. Uh, do you, you. Do you see yourself pitching in the major leagues at some point in 2020? Yeah, I would hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel ready. I just have a lot of things to work on, get it a little bit more consistent with each of my pitches. But um, just kind of rolling into this year from Arizona, uh, I feel good mechanically. And so a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. From the fall league, you got you got some time in the fall league. What was that experience like? It was cool, definitely. Um, yeah, just more time to work on stuff, more innings. Um, Brad Bergeson was there, so it was a pretty familiar experience. He was one of your longtime pitching coaches. Yeah. He's a big believer in yours. In Lakewood and then Clearwater, and then took a short break when I went up to Reading, but then we were back together in Arizona. And so, it was, yeah, that's just whole, the past like two years have been 
pretty continuous of the things that I've been trying to work on. It would seem that you're ticketed for AAA and a little more development time uh, on the road to getting to Philadelphia. Do you have that in the back of your mind that you're probably going to open at AAA? Do you come into camp looking to make the team? What's that mindset like? Um, I've heard everything from staying extended to starting AAA, so I try to have no expectations for that and just do what I'm supposed to do and uh, they'll make that decision for me. That staying an extended thing, I think, probably fits into the, they have a plan for you and your innings. I guess you've only pitched 100 innings or more once in your pro career. They're going to have you on some type of an in, in, innings structure, innings limit, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. Um, do, is that something you understand and, and how they're going to implement and whatnot and why they're trying to do it? Yeah, I heard about that a little bit in Arizona, that they were going to offset my innings or whatever, and so just for me to not panic when other people are throwing more than me early in the year. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to be blindsided by anything, which I think is the big thing. Mm-hmm. It's all for your own development. I guess they. It's it can be dangerous, I guess, for a young pitcher to make huge jumps in innings, and history has shown that. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, they're looking out for me, and I appreciate that. But do you fantasize a little bit about getting to Philadelphia? Yeah, I think anybody would. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've always kind of liked your story, um, basically a walk-on at Cal Poly, right? And worked in the bullpen, and then all of a sudden this great emergence. Yeah. Um, got in for grades and then tried out and made the team like a month before I got in. Uh, I, like, reported for school or whatever. And then the first year, redshirted, uh, put on some weight, got a little bit better. Um, one of the freshmen in my same class pitched too many innings to go to summer ball, so that's how I got my first spot in summer ball and pitched there, worked in the bullpen still, and came back sophomore year, still in the bullpen, um, and just kind of spiraled the next year, went back to summer ball, tried to be a starter. Um, Junior year, opportunity arose for me to be in the rotation because our Saturday guy got injured, so I kind of slid in there and just kind of snowballed. Ran with it. That's what sports is all about, doing the best with your opportunity. Now we're here. Now you're here. Well, I wish you the best of luck in your first big league camp and uh, down the road in 2020. Thank you, Spencer. Appreciate it. So, Jim, what do you think? Do you think Spencer Howard is going to make it up to the bigs in 2020? I mean, I look at this Phillies rotation. We know that there are depth issues and the potential that the four and five spots end up not being uh, – claimed by the guys who opened the season for the Phillies in those spots. And, and I, you know, you look at this organization, they're in win-now mode, it would seem like they need the five best arms in the system, in the rotation. How do you see this? Oh, I think he'll definitely be up at some point this season, you know, if he's healthy. You know, that's always the big uh, X factor with all pitchers. So if he stays healthy, I think he's going to come up at some point this season. And, and I think he has the talent and the ability to be, to be a contributor right out of the gate. I mean, he'll, he'll have growing pains just like everybody else, but the talent really stands out. And, you know, they're, they're going to have, they're going to have need at some point for a difference making arm. And it would be great if, if they could get that arm without making a trade. It'd be great if it could come right from their own system in a guy like Spencer Howard. So, you know, they're going to watch him real close. He actually mentioned that in that interview he, that the possibility of maybe staying in the extended spring training a few weeks, you know, that would slow him down a little bit in terms of racking up innings on that odometer. And then you might see him piggyback with another starter at AAA out of the gate um, just to kind of keep his innings in check. But if he's, uh, if he's dealing and there's a need, uh, they'll bring him. And... Um, then, you know, the issue becomes, 
you know, if you're in the race and he's all of a sudden really having an impact and his in- innings are growing and his workload is growing, and I don't want to just say innings because they measure workload in a lot of different ways, not just innings. They have technology uh, nowadays that they can measure a player's fatigue just by, you know, if his arm slot is a little off, they can measure fatigue that way. So uh, they'll just watch his workload and, and his fatigue level. They don't want to make too big of a jump in workload because that can, that can you know, cause risk for injury. Um, but, yeah, if he's really helping them late in the season, it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see how they, you know, uh, keep watch of his innings. Do they, they let him finish the season? Uh, do they have to kind of pull him back? And is the team going to suffer for that? So this is going to be something we're going to have to watch all year. But I am fully in favor of, um, you know, being smart with young pitchers and being smart with their workload jumps from year to year until they really kind of get their, you know, their man strength, until they really, you know, become men. Uh, when I was a kid, there was a great pitcher named Mark Fidrich who pitched in the All-Star game in 76 in Philadelphia. And two years out of high school, he was at 240 big league innings. And, uh, oh, wouldn't you know, his shoulder actually looked like it went through a meat grinder a couple years ago, a couple years later. So um, if they had known, you know, then what they know now about in- incremental uh, progressions in the development of a young pitcher, he would have had a longer, more productive career. So, and there's a lot of those cautionary tales. Uh, but this is the route they're going to go down with Spencer Howard. And talking to him, he understands it, and I think it's I think it's the way to go because starting pitching is so valuable. It's such a commodity, and you don't want to blow it out, you know, too young. So valuable and so fragile. I remember watching a documentary a few years ago about Mark Fidrich. He was an interesting dude, but it's it's so true what you said. I mean, we know so much more now uh, these days about workloads and um, the health of a pitcher's arm. And as you said, it's not just about the innings uh, count. I think a lot of people this season are going to look at his innings count and kind of construe it that way. But I mean, when you have when you have bases loaded and you throw a 96-mile-per-hour fastball in a high-stress situation to get a pitch by a hitter, that's different than a 96-mile-per-hour fastball in the second pitch of a game with nobody on. Um, when, the, when the weather heats up and you're you know, sweating out there profusely, that can impact you know, a pitcher's health as well. So those are all things to monitor with Spencer Howard. It's why it's going to be interesting to watch his, like, the actual tape of him game by game rather than just you know, look at his baseball reference page if you have the ability to do so on MILB-TV. Reminder that Phillies Talk is brought to you by Team Toyota. Team Toyota is kicking off a new season with safety, savings, and service. Visit us today at teamtoyota.net to be part of the team and stay on the road to victory. All right, Jim, a lot of, uh, a lot of good questions today from Phillies fans. Really, I can just tell that people are feeling it. Spring training's here. I see it in our website traffic that Philly stuff is really uh, kind of carrying the ball right now, which is, personally, I love that. Um, but I want to kick it off by asking you this. Did you see the... Uh, Comment Zach Wheeler made yesterday, I think the New York Post had it, that uh, Zach Wheeler, when he was asked if the Mets were willing to match the offer he got from the Phillies, he said that he called them, didn't really hear back from them, didn't surprise him because that's them. And then uh, Brody Van Wagen and the Mets general manager responded today and kind of said that he was disappointed by the comments Wheeler made, given that the Mets helped him get that payday, that $118 million payday on the strength of two really good half seasons. Um, did you see these comments, and what did you think of them? It's kind of kind of funny for a GM to say that right away at the beginning of camp. Yeah, it, uh, it's I've seen a lot of this over the years. Kind of he said, she said, 
bad feelings uh, when a guy moves on and um, maybe Wheeler was disappointed they didn't match or and Van Wagenen fired on him a little bit but yes he did put up some big numbers or good numbers in the second half of the last two seasons uh, um, I, I kind of put that on Zach Wheeler I think he did that more so than the team around him so um, I think it'll blow over pretty quick and that should make for some interesting matchups five or six times this year when he faces the Mets. Jim, this question comes from Destiny Lagardo on Twitter. In your opinion, what are the drawbacks of having such a large contingency of players in camp? The Phillies are over 70 guys. Is there a drawback? Um, yeah, I think it becomes very difficult uh, on the pitching coach to find enough innings for guys. Uh, especially those guys that are here on non-rosters hoping to get some audition time. So it becomes tough to find audition times for a lot of these guys uh, in major league settings. Some of them have to go over the minor league complex or maybe a regular has to go over the minor league complex. It's just, there's just a lot of management that has to you know, go into it from a staff perspective about making sure everybody gets enough time to uh, show what they can do. Um, that said... You know, you bring in, you bring in a lot of raw ingredients, and you might, you know, stumble on something. Especially in the bullpen, guys, bullpens can be so up and down, and relievers can find, you know, four or five good months here or there. Um, you know, you never know what you might see in spring training that leads you to hang on to a guy, and then maybe he can make a contribution uh, for one year. Uh, so, there, I guess, there's ups and downs to it all, but uh, it creates a, a crowded environment. Uh, with a lot of guys trying to get ready for a season. Michael Weinter on Twitter asks a question about a guy who really has fallen under the radar here. He asks, Wither Nick Williams? Uh, Nick Williams is a guy who, at one point, there seemed to be a lot of promise for. You thought he might be a you know, a starting corner outfielder for the Phillies for years, but it hasn't worked out. Last season was disastrous from him, both as a when he, when he did start, uh, when he got pinch hit opportunities. The fielding really has never been above average. I mean, what do you see of his future? Does he make this team? I don't think he makes it because he's really not a center fielder, and they're really set at the two corner spots, obviously, with McCutcheon and um, um, Bryce Harper. Um, you know, and you got, you know, Jay Bruce, who can give you some reps, and I think they want to keep his power bat around. Uh, you got Roman Quinn, Adam Hazley. So that outfield is crowded, and uh, he's sort of played himself out of the picture. Uh, and it just seems like he's uh, a trade candidate, has been for a while. With little trade value, though, right? With Yeah, hasn't done enough to really generate much interest and value. Or he's a AAA guy, so uh, we'll see. He just, But he doesn't appear to have a future in, in Philadelphia anymore. Steve on Twitter, Philly's Dad 17 Percentage chance the JT Real Muto extension is done before... Uh, the season begins. You've written about this. It's it's more complicated than just like figuring out the number. Uh, there are other things that play into it with the luxury tax. Can you kind of walk us through that again? Well, the extent you know they're gonna he's gonna play this year on a uh, salary of ten million or twelve point four million. That'll be decided next week by a panel out in Arizona, and then they'll get to work rather quickly, I believe, on trying to hammer out an extension. Uh, they'd like to keep him. I see that extension being very expensive. I would say it'd probably be something like a five-year deal. Joe Maurer has the highest AAV ever, average salary for a catcher, which was $23 million. I think Real Moodle's people are probably going to be looking for something in that neighborhood. 
going to be expensive. Phillies gave up good prospects to get him. I think it's kind of imperative they keep him. He's become a real – I think he's the number one leader on this team. I think everybody kind of looks to him, and he's obviously a producer at an important position. I think you got to extend the relationship, and I think there's a real appetite Phillies part to get it done. Uh, and if I were the player, I'd have an appetite to get it done as well because, you know, that's a tough position. The minute opening day arrives and you go behind the plate, um, it becomes risky uh, because it's such a demanding position where you can never know if injury might strike. I mean, he's represented by a guy named Jeff Berry who also represents Buster Posey. We know how quickly uh, you can you know get injured at that position. Buster Posey obviously had that terrible injury a few, uh, what, I think 2000. 11, 12, something like that, when he got run over at the plate. So, um, But then if he starts the season, now he's only six months from free agency, so uh, and, and potentially even a bigger deal. But I'll tell you what, if I were JT Realmuto, I'd be looking to get a, get, get a nice five-year deal by, by opening day, uh, you know, 22, 23 million, you know, whatever, wherever, wherever it's going to land. And um, I know he's kind of carrying the ball for future generations, um, but I, I, I got to think that a player like that at that position would want the security of having a deal in place by opening day. I could be wrong, uh, but I think both sides are going to try to work toward that. It wouldn't surprise me if something got done before opening day or right around opening day, uh, but time will tell. A lot of questions about the Phillies' top two prospects. John Siegel asks us, if we had to guess who gets to the majors first, Alec Bohm or Spencer Howard, I'm gonna, you know, this. I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm gonna say Alec Bohm because I'm just envisioning a scenario where, you know, if Gene Segura pulls a hamstring or if Scott Kingery suffers an injury, the fact that the Phillies have guys, uh, the fact that the Phillies have kind of a, a fluid infield picture with all of their guys who can play multiple positions in the infield, it could open up a, you know, an everyday spot for two weeks for a guy like Bohm in the case of an industry injury. Uh, we've talked about Spencer Howard here. You think that'll contribute at some point? Uh, what do you think, Jim? Who's the first one to make it up? I think that's sound thinking on your part. Uh, you know, he, they could bring a guy like that if, for in a, in a short bit, though they'd have to put him on the 40-man roster, and that could also be a challenge because you might have to lose someone. Um, but uh, I could see either one of them. You know, Spencer Howard, because I think they're planning on him contributing at some point, he could end up being the first guy if they have an injury and they think he's ready. Um, a lot of... I think Bohm probably has more left on his development curve, if that makes sense. Uh, I think he has more work to do. Uh, you know, he's got work to do on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. It's all about need and if you're performing uh, at the minor league level when that need arises. I want to I end with the Astros. Uh, the story just keeps getting better and better. They just keep looking worse and worse as a team. Um, Thursday was like the apology tour for the Astros. It was a day that Altuve and Alex Bregman and uh, the owner Jim Crane spoke, and in a way, they all kind of put their foot in their mouth. Uh, Alex Bregman, in particular, it stuck out to me. It was as uh, what I tweeted out that is, it was almost like it was an alien trying to convince the world that it's a human being. Uh, it was so stiff. He didn't know what to do with his hands. He was clearly reading off of a scripted paper. It looked like he practiced it too much. There wasn't much sincerity to the viewer. Um, how did you think they handled that whole thing? Poorly. That's what struck out to stuck out to me is the lack of sincerity. He seemed, especially Bregman, just seemed to want to get it over with and get back in the clubhouse. Uh, the whole thing is a disgrace. Uh, you know, the nature of competition is supposed to be you know, whoever is the most talented and most prepared and whoever plays the best. And it's all about 
you know, kind of manning up and looking each other in the eye and going at it, and, you know, going back to steroids, that was cheating. And, and certainly knowing what pitches are coming is cheating. So that's just such a breach of what good competition is supposed to be like. But you know what? They have to look themselves in the mirror and deal with it. I hear all these people saying the commissioner should take away their title. What the heck, what the heck is that going to It makes no difference. It makes no difference. What the heck is that? You know what? You let them keep that title, and you let them keep those fool's gold, gold rings. And you know what? If they have the nerve to wear their ring to a holiday party or, or something, they should be laughed at because, you know what, uh, there's no need to strip that title away because they have to go through the rest of their lives. And you introduce yourself as a uh, member of the 2017 world champion Houston Astros, and people are going to go, oh, yeah, and they're going to snicker at you. And that's worse than anything being – looked at so skeptically and with such you know with such doubt so i don't think you need to strip it away i think uh, they're going to carry this for for a long time in uh in the world of public opinion and you know what they earned it because they decided that they weren't you know the competitor enough to compete cleanly i'm starting to wonder about the long-term ramifications of this like jose altuve was on a hall of fame path before this um do you think do you think do you think that, uh, like, when that time comes, I mean, we're probably talking 12 years from now, 15 years from now, once he's five years removed from the league, um, like, is this going to play into his Hall of Fame candidacy? Do you think that this this stink is going to kind of be worn on guys the way that the steroid scandal was? I do, I do think there'll be voters that consider that and consider that a breach of the character clause, uh, the sportsmanship clause. The integrity clause that's in the Hall of Fame voting that uh, some some voters are, are use that as a serious guideline. Some guys are guided by that, and so uh, they, we've seen some people withhold their votes for, for uh, steroid users because they believed it was a violation of the um, integrity of the game and the sportsmanship clause. Uh, so the other guys will use that, I'm sure, as a guide, and, and it will affect their Hall of Fame candidacy. I don't know if it'll keep keep any one of them out, um, but clearly it's a violation of uh, of the character clause. And uh, if some voter wants to use it as his guide, I think he he or she has the has the right to do that because uh, to me is an egregious offense. You know, talking to David Robertson, who got lit up in that game six of the ALCS in 2017, he's like, he's said, you know. There were some pitches I couldn't believe they laid off, and there were some pitches that I couldn't believe got uh, got hit. And two years later, he knows why they were they knew what was coming, and that's just a a breach of uh, the way you're supposed to compete. And uh, it's a black mark for the game, but it's mostly a black mark on them. And uh, it'll be the first thing anybody who at least is educated on baseball thinks about whenever they meet a member of that team for years to come. All right, that's enough Phillies talk for one day. I'll let you go hit the hit the beach there, Jim. Did you remember to pack your speedo when you went down this time, or what? I don't do speedos, and I got about five hours of riding, and by that time it'll be uh, it'll be well into the night. There'll be no sun. So. Ball scribe through and through. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Thanks to all you out there for listening to Phillies talk. We will catch you again early next week. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. 
And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.